Hello, hello, listeners to The Third Way. One of the main areas of third way thinking is in relationships. Um, you know, our relationships, uh, the blueprint of our relationships is really informed by our primary caregivers, how we related to them. And um, the difference between being raised by secure care caregivers and damage, you know, trauma damaged caregivers is significant. And one of the things that I find to be especially um, impressive is when someone goes through some shit and then there's able to convert that shit to teaching and to lessons. And so on that idea around relationships and going through shit and uh, learning from it and overcoming it and converting it is I'm happy to welcome my, my guest this week, my uh, good friend, Emily Romano. Emily is a uh, life coach, a mindfulness coach, and a yoga teacher. So welcome. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. It's great to see you. Great to see you. It's been like you mentioned before we hit record, it's been full circle. You oh know, I, I, yeah, I've watched your journey. Um, and so it's, this isn't in the questions I sent because this is just for you, but do you feel, if you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about your story and how you arrived at the work you're doing today? Sure. Yeah. Happy to. Um, so I have, uh, like probably many listeners, um, a sort of traumatic childhood. Um, my father is um, mentally ill, let's put it that way. Um, I don't want to say what his diagnosis is, um, but it's. But if I were to guess, it's narcissistic personality disorder. And so as you can imagine, um, growing up in a household like that, um, I had a lot of challenges and ultimately had to leave my home um, at the age of 16. Like I was barely 16 because of the abuse and, wow. you know, lost my whole family in that, in that uh, process. And it was the most painful thing I've ever experienced. And I never really healed from that because, you know, um, we, this, this idea of healing really wasn't something that was brought to my attention until I was in my late 20s. And so I mostly spent my my 20s uh, trying to just mask and trying to uh, dissociate and self-medicate. And um, it wasn't until I became into my into my late 20s and I discovered yoga and meditation that some of those layers of the trauma started to get peeled back and kind of went into a dark night of the soul of healing. It was beautiful. It was dark. It was all of the things mm -hmm. all at once. And um, I had been in a very traumatic relationship in my twenties that, you know, a lot of listeners will relate it's kind of mirrored my family of origin in a way. Mm -hmm. um, I worked through a lot of my own issues after that, Felt like I'd come to a place of really feeling healthy um, and happy on my own. And then I met my ex and um, this relationship, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more later, but um, was definitely characterized by a lot of the hallmarks of a narcissistic relationship from the onset. And I thought that because I had this background and understanding of narcissism because of what I'd been through in my childhood and adolescence that I, I would be able to spot it and I wasn't vulnerable, but I, I could not have been more wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, I started coaching in 2012. So my coaching back then was all about interpersonal behavior, communication and stuff like that, which 
Um, when, when you're in an environment in early childhood where you're forced to understand other people's behavior to stay safe, I just developed this innate ability to understand people that I still have to this day and I am grateful for. So my coaching began like that, with dating coaching, helping people get to know each other, getting them to be attractive to other people, um, giving them social skills and stuff like that. Um, anyway, my relationship ended um, actually just a year ago. This is the year anniversary. And thus began this incredible healing journey. And I became um, even more educated on what had happened to me, which was something that we'll talk about overt narcissism, um, excuse me, covert narcissism. Right. There's a whole, it's a, it's a very sneaky, sneaky thing um, that sneaks up on you. And you don't really realize you're in an abuse cycle until it's too late. So yeah. I began creating content about what I had learned after this relationship ended and my coaching focus really shifted from, you know, professional communication um, strategies to navigate workplaces and stuff like that to people healing from exactly what I had healed from. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, you and I did some, you did some work together. I helped you with your kind of mission, I guess, and some of that about four years ago. And we haven't been in touch other than via like social, but I've watched that. And what I, the one thing I've noticed is your eyes have changed since the last time I saw you, like they're clear and there's a, there's a, a your posture has changed. I mean, people can't see this because we're not posting the video, but your posture has changed. And I noticed this in like your videos and photos that you've posted is you just, you seem stronger. And I think that's, I think that's um, remarkable and so many lessons. I don't know. I would say this boldly. I don't know a single uh, woman, uh, especially a straight woman who has not had to deal with a narcissistic male in their life. It, it, yeah. Narcissism seems to go hand in hand more so. And we'll get into it here in a minute with sort of masculine, maybe not male, the gender, but masculine tendencies, but we'll get into that in just a minute. So Thank you, first of all, for your vulnerability. Um, I have dealt with some narcissists in my life, usually bosses, past bosses, and um, some clients in the past and things like that. Um, and I think your work with it is what you're doing with this is so valuable. That's why I, I wanted to call this episode Neutralizing Narcissism. Yeah. And so I want to jump into the question, the first question, which is, what are some common traits of a narcissist? And we, you can break those down into covert versus um, um, overt uh, narcissism, however you would like to break it down. And I'll, I'll add my commentary about what I observe. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you, you opened up with something interesting. You said um, men, and you know, this is prominent with males and there's certainly data that validates that, that it is more prevalent with men. And I think that our society in, in itself values narcissism. And so narcissism is really, it's just an, it's kind of like um, a word, like narcissistic personality disorder is a diagnosis, but narcissism is a trait that we all have to some certain degree, right? Sure, sure. So we live in a society that's a patriarchy, and um, as, as we know, and the things that the patriarchy values are power, status, control, um, and doing and getting those things without really much regard for what happens to the feminine, to what happens to other people. So 
while there is some sort of like genetic components to this predisposition, temperament, things like that, we are also all products of our environment and we live in a patriarchy and we live in a capitalistic society where people that get ahead and are seem to be winning in our society are those who put their own needs first, who put profit first, who don't care about what happens to people and instead only care about um, aggrandizing themselves. So um, while I'm not giving anybody a free pass, it's just, um, I mean, even if you look at social media, we're externalizing our, val our validation. And so like this, it's not surprising that this seems to be more and more commonplace and especially with men. Um, so your question was what are, uh, common traits of a narcissist and, um, mm -hmm. The DSM-5's characteristics are one, which is grandiosity, so um, believing that they are better than other people, even without accomplishments, you know, um, so uh, people should just know how special I am. I'm, I'm better than other people, that idea, um, and a need for validation that's outside of themselves. So a narcissist doesn't often have a sense of self that's very um, that's very secure. So they are going to outsource all of their validation to other people. And to get validation, they're going to need to appear a certain way. They're going to have to um, have certain things, accomplish certain things, be with a partner that looks a certain way. Um, and they're going to put a huge emphasis on um, on that, um, which means that they're very superficial. So they don't really have the capacity to form deep connections with other people. Um, they're really focused on the optics and uh, what's in it for them. So true intimacy requires vulnerability. Narcissists are not good at that because their entire personality is, is developed to avoid feelings of shame. And so... Mm. To avoid shame, you also have to avoid accountability because if something's your fault, you know, you're going to feel shame about that. Um, and then there's a lack of empathy. So there might be some kind of an intellectualized understanding of, oh, my behavior might have made someone feel bad. But empathy is really feeling that emotion in your body instead of um, understanding it intellectually. And they, and they lack that empathy. Um, they are focused on the self what's in it for me. And if other people get hurt, that's, that's sort of, that's okay. Um, they, uh, they lack an identity. So um, their identities are dependent on other people. And um, that's, that's very dangerous because if your identity is based on what someone else thinks about you, then you, <laughs> then you're going to be at the whim of other people, which uh, makes them very sensitive to criticism of any kind, whether it's perceived or whether it's actual criticism, they, they cannot handle that. Um, and this is something that leaves people feeling chronically empty. You know, um, if I don't have a sense of self internally, then I'm always going to feel empty. Um, and there's a lot of boredom and um, depression even. And then um, they also have trouble with life transitions. So um, it's hard to stick to goals that are long-term. It's hard to stay in relationships that are long-term. It's hard to stay in a job. It's hard to, <laughs> just a lot of things are very difficult for these people. Um, so those are the the characteristics that they, that are kind of shared. Um, of course, mm -hmm. there's different combinations, like you don't have to have all sure. of them, but, but those are, right. yeah. Right. Um, so I'll answer my, I'll give you my answer to this in just a second, but I'm curious is this is the classic, like 
red flag question. So someone is listening to this, is in a relationship with somebody. Let's just say it's an intimate relationship, not a friendship, not a parent, not a boss or business partner, just an intimate relationship. What is the kind of the first sort of leading indicator in the relationship that the person you're with is a narcissist? Oh, okay. Well, I love this question because prevention is so powerful here. Um, So here's the thing is that let me, let me tell you a story. So you you meet someone and they, and you, and these words come up of like, oh my God, no one has ever understood me like this person. I think they're my soulmate. And this happens so quickly. So speed is very, uh, very key. It's a huge red flag, you know, relationships with narcissists move at warp speed. Um, there is a rush towards intimacy, whether that's emotional int- intimacy or physical intimacy. Um, this person is just showering you with love and adoration, and they're so mesmerized by you. They put you on this pedestal. Um, it's that's known as love bombing. Um, that's a lot of people will probably be familiar with that. Um, so the red flags are immediate, immediate intimacy. Um, Maybe you move in together really quickly. You sleep together really quickly. Everything happens really quickly. I love you happens really quickly. Um, This person is showering you with love and praise. And um, it feels like you're in a fairy tale. And you are because fairy tales (laughs) aren't real. And neither is this. Neither is Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to break that down too, because... um, you know, it, it's, 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 I would say this is that the relation you're the, the red flag is when the, per, the, the, per, the person, usually let's say it's the man is trying to accelerate the relationship. Some relationships have their own pace. Like there's one of my favorite feeds to follow on Instagram. I think it's called NYC couples. And they just, this guy goes up to couples and gets their, their origin story. And oh, I love so that. many people, yeah. So many people say, yeah, we met. And like three weeks later we were engaged in, a lot of people think, well, that's foolish. Well, maybe it is, but if both people are in like that feels like the tempo of the relationship, it's the forcing of the pace that I think is really key, which yeah. goes to my, mm-hmm. I was going to say just in that those stories, that's absolutely valid. And, but for every story like that, there's yeah. 10, there's 10, exactly. where- there's 10 <laughs> more, right. That's what I'm saying, though, is like the though is if someone is in a relationship and it's going at its own pace, then that's good. If it's going at his pace, then, you know, start to question. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So what I've noticed with narcissists um, and people that, you know, I'm an armchair as an armchair uh, observer of narcissistic personality disorder is everything you said, and I would add some flavor. One is, is that they are obsessed with controlling the narrative. Oh yeah. Um, you know, they will do whatever's necessary to control the narrative case in point in recent news, paying a porn star to be quiet. That's an example of controlling the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that th- you see that in um, relationships where the narcissist is speaking for their p- partner um, you know, t- to the point where they are telling their story, they're choosing for them and because they're, they're controlling the narrative. Um, Absolutely. And- I mean, narcissist cares about optics and, and what other people think about yes. that. And so exactly. one of the main ways you can see this is so um, narcissistic relationships often or just about always end in flames. 
And before, yes. before that happens or during that happening, the narcissist will create what's called a smear campaign against their victim. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. is when the narcissist will tell stories, um, just in, assault that person's character so that when that victim does come forward and shares their story, that no one believes them. And people yeah. take the side of the narcissist. And um, that's that's very curated by them. Yes, very curated. That's all control the narrative stuff. The second thing is, it's my analysis or observation that narcissism is to be completely consumed by the ego. So when you talked about there's no identity, there's no self, because there's no core self, big S self, there's just the hologram. Because they are fully the hologram that they created. And what that means is, is they're not regenerative. This is why you don't see narcissists single for very long, because they're kind of like vampires or zombies. They need a host body. Um, to, yeah. to draw from. And so they're not regenerative and related to that is they're very consumptive. So, mm -hmm. um, they, um, because the, the, when the, when you're fully consumed by the ego, the ego is terrified that, you know, that you're, we're there, we will find out it's not real. And, and so by staying in relationship or starting another business or doing, you know, doing some, some sort of behavior, you know, that's, that's about keeping the generate keeping the, 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 the resourcing going. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why you, like I said, you don't see narcissists in single for very long, um, because no, they move I'll, on to the, to their next victim. In fact, they, they're probably not going to be single ever. There's going to be overlap yeah. between relationships because yeah. they want to make sure they have solid footing in the next relationship, um, to get their supply because they, they don't have yeah. uh, an internal sense of supply. And, you know, I know we're both very spiritual people. And so I assume your audience is as well. And the way yeah. that I think about this from a spiritual point of view is like, we all have that source from, from above or, you know, whatever direction. <laughs> um, so we get sure. that from from internal from our higher self and so we can constantly regenerate and when we give out love we get it back when we give out kindness we get it back and we're giving not just to get but we're giving because giving in itself feels good and we understand that yeah. the universal law of reciprocity and all that stuff right well the narcissist doesn't yeah. have that access to their own to their source you know that has been cut off and so right. they believe that yes. love is a zero-sum game and um, if yeah. I'm giving, if I'm giving love, I have to be getting something back. And yes. um, people around me are just supplies for my ego. They're 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 not right. worth caring much about. It's just how they yeah. relate. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm smiling because what you just said is what I wrote on my notepad as the thing. To, as, as they're all take and no give. And yeah, same takers. Yeah, they're they're it's all it's all taking. What they think is giving is control. So narcissists will often get into relationships where they make the other person sort of economically dependent on them. Yes. Um, they'll you know they'll 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 say quit your job and I'll take care of you. And it's yep. all about basically seeing another human as a possession. And because of that, then they think that you that you the victim are there for their needs and, and that you are supplying their needs because here's the thing about narcissists. Most narcissistic men are good at sex. That's the thing I've heard from lots of women. They're like, oh, the yeah. sex was amazing, but he and was, women, an, he was a female. I'm a narcissist yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. I don't have that same data pool from my friends, but, and, and so there's like that. It's like, you know, I, 
I gave you 10 orgasms and I bought you a car and, and, and that's not enough for you. That's that common phrase. And it's nothing's enough for you. Yeah. Well, that's because there's not actually give and take there is to your using the word I love that you use. There's no reciprocity. No. It is all transactional. Oh, and that's that word transactional. That's what it is. That's yeah. what everything. Is them. Right. And you're right. And they will make people financially dependent on them so that they can then hold it over their heads. You know, it's a method. It's a, it's a control mechanism. Um, and then not only that, well, they make someone financially dependent on them, but then, then they'll say, oh, well, like you don't even make your own money. And, the, and they'll put that person down chip yes, away right. self-esteem until that person yeah. comes to the subconscious conclusion that they aren't worth very much, which by the way, if you're involved in a relationship with a narcissist, whether it's like a postmortem of a failed relationship or you're in a relationship, or even if you're single, like it's very, very important to look at your own story, your own family mm-hmm. origin story. And like, what right. did you, what did love look like in your household? Were you only given yes. love when you were fi- fixing and rescuing? Were you only given love when you were validating your narcissistic parents' ego? Um, was there a lot of chaos and abuse in your love? And so if if there was, you're going to have a vulnerability to this type of person because a lot of these behaviors right. that feel normal are not normal and your right. self-worth. So I always use this analogy of like, if you're walking through the desert and you're so thirsty um, for love and someone comes and hands you a dirty little Dixie cup of water and says, here, like, here's some love. You mm-hmm. drink it up, you slurp it up because you're so thirsty. You're so grateful for that. Um, because you didn't, your parents didn't give you, uh, you know, a camelback full of love. You didn't, you didn't have it. So then when someone gives that to you, it's going to feel amazing. But if you then walk into life and you do have your own sense of self-worth and self-love and someone hands you that Dixie cup, you're going to be like, what the hell is this? You know, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, that kind of leads into the second question, um, which I think is going to be common for anybody listening to this is how are men and women narcissists different? Like, what's the difference between a man that's a narcissist and both in temperament and behavior and women that are narcissists? So this goes back to kind of what we touched on earlier, which is just we we socialize men and women, boys and girls differently. Um, so men are more likely to be the grandiose, the, you know, I'm going to step on everybody else. I'm better than everybody else. Just very like overt bragging, um, stuff like that. Women are much more likely to be the covert type, which is, um, more of like a victim mentality, you know, oh, woe is me and very jealous of other people. Very, very, very jealous. Um, a female narcissist will often fly into a rage if they perceive their partner is talking to, looking at another uh, woman. Meanwhile, she needs to be the object of sexual desire to other men. And so she will often have other men lurking in the background, other exes. Um, she's often triangulating her partner with other men in order to make him jealous, um, sexual, pr- sexual promiscuity. Um, not that men don't do those things, but women are more likely to sort of fit into the uh, covert style of narcissism. Um, Men are more likely in general to be narcissists. Like it's just more prevalent Mm -hmm. as well. Right. Yeah. And I think back to what you said about the sort of patriarchal structures too, is that most of the women that I think are narcissists that I've met, which isn't a lot, are in positions of power within the patriarchy. Um, And, you know, that, and so... One thing, some things I've noticed too, and this kind of goes back to kind of more of a spiritual 
comparison of light versus dark energy. Um, and so you have the light masculine or divine masculine, divine feminine. We've, I've talked at length about that on this podcast with many guests written about it a lot, but then you have the dark masculine, the dark feminine. And to me, that line below that line into the darkness is narcissism. I totally and what I'm okay, cool. And what I've noticed with women that are narcissists is, and you, you, you alluded to this, is uh, experts, extraordinarily, extraordinary expertise of manipulation, um, extraordinary expertise of, of, of gaslighting in the most subtle ways uh, in order to get what they want. Um, and that dark feminine, that, that, that narcissistic, the narcissistic woman um, also is, they cannot be in a relationship with someone that has self-generative power. So you rarely, in my, in my observation, see a narcissistic woman in a relationship with like a conscious, like alpha male. It just does not happen. It seems like, yeah. um, be, yeah. and it, you see it more where the, the man is maybe, you know, super fit and good looking, and maybe, you know, he's skilled at his career, but he, female narcissists create situations where the man they're with is in service, 100% service to them. Yes. And they take advantage of the, of a man's, you know, especially through sex as a, as a trading card, as a, as a bartering chip um, or, or, or other, other forms. We, I think we've already, like you said, men, men male narcissists are easier, easier to spot because it's so obvious sometimes well, usually over just ones. over ones are covert. No. Yeah. Covert right. Is- That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Men, men that are, men tend to, I think tend to lean more to overt narcissism because they're in power structures where they can be an asshole and there's nothing, nobody can anything can do anything except and in the recent years. And it's like, yay, yeah, like they get rewarded. Right. Yeah. yeah. You get, <laughs> yes. Right. You get, uh, you get the Grammy rally you get, for you. You, can, we'll get, yeah, we'll you get, get the Grammy you get, yeah, you get elected like that's <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's fascinating because so, so as we, as we kind of lean into this last question, before we do that, I have another question for you related to relationships and narcissism. Have you ever seen a situation where a narcissist was in a relationship with someone and let's say it's a man and a woman, the man's the narcissist and the man actually changes and he does like reach a level of humility or reach a level of self-awareness and he does change. Have you ever seen that happen? Okay, so the whole reason why someone becomes a narcissist is to avoid feelings of shame and emptiness within them, right? So if that person okay. has to reach, reach a sub- level of self-awareness, that would probably prompt a major depressive episode. Mm-hmm. And so it's so narcissism is self-protection, right? Um, can it happen? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that that person is going to change they're going to become aware of their own tendencies so they could become aware um can they change i i don't know um yeah i don't want to i have to as a coach i actually have to believe that everyone can change so right so i do believe yeah. people can change, but i i think if you're here's the problem though hope is extremely toxic so if you're listening yes you're in a relationship with a narcissist or you've broken up with a narcissist and they tell you they're going to change, please know 
that what they are doing is they are using your own hopes and dreams against you, weaponizing you against you because they have studied you. And that's the thing with future faking. So we talked about love bombing and in the initial stages of a narcissistic relationship, it moves fast. You know, there's a lot of intense adoration. Well, another part of that is future faking. So they will say to their victims, you know, oh my gosh, I could see us one day in this beautiful house, having beautiful children. And meanwhile, having this beautiful house and beautiful children, those are things that you want too. Maybe you wanted to open your own tea shop. Now all of a sudden they want the same things. Oh my gosh, I can't believe someone gets me like this. So they know exactly what you want to hear and they will tell you what you want to hear so that you can remain in their supply, right? So what will happen, trauma bond will develop where um, you finally say, you know what? I've had enough. I deserve to have my basic needs met. Which, by the way, like, if you're demanding to have your basic needs met, I mean, unfortunately, um, you're already in pretty deep at that point. And then what happens is, yeah, is then maybe maybe there's a blow up and um, you break up with them. Maybe they, though, break up with you. So they might break up with you, give you the silent treatment and punish you so that you come back and you say, you know what? I was wrong. I shouldn't have asked for my basic needs to me to be met. That was too much. Or maybe you break up with them and then they do what's called hoovering where they try to get you back and they give you they love bomb you again. Um, and then you wanting that fantasy that was created at the beginning will sort of like have all these blind spots and believe these promises that are fake. And then it mm-hmm. feels so good, all the dopamine, the serotonin, the oxytocin. Right. You know, but, and then of course it in- inevitably happens again. But each time that you get back with them, they lose respect for you. And each time you get back with them, they lower the baseline. So at the beginning, it was the bar was set super high, you know, constant communication, constant validation, words of praise and affirmation, you know, gifts, extravagant gestures, grandiose, you know, whatever. Then you get back together and it's less and it becomes less and less and less and less until you have just the tiniest breadcrumbs and you're supposed to feel grateful for that. Um, Right. Wow. That is chilling as fuck. Like that this happens every day millions of times a day and and, oh man it's it makes my biking boil yeah yeah I mean I see it and it's you know what's stunning Justin is that every single person comes to me and they think you know like because once here's what something that happens with everybody is that um once you say what happened to you out loud and you hear your own words coming out of your mouth you're like oh my god that actually sounds so much worse than I thought And then you, then there's a lot of shame surrounding that and you don't want to tell people, but then you come to me and then you, you tell me what happens. And I will tell you that like, it's like every single one of them went to school, took the same exact course. So like, how are they so similar? These stories are exactly the same. That's because, yeah, that's because it's basically, we look at tyranny, look at it spiritually, the dark side of humanity that, you know, what we would call the devil or, you know, all of that. That that is that, that most narcissists don't have. They have maybe two punches. They got praise, and they got um, you know they got two like they're like boxers with only two moves. And I think that's what it is. That's what that's why the stories are so repeated. I want to loop back to the question though before we do the final question. The one about what, can someone change? The thing that I say to my friends that mostly women friends that are we talk about this stuff is look for growth, not change. 
you know, a, a, a narcissist can be very chameleon in their approach. They can really be adaptive, like shapeshifters, um, especially when they want something, when they don't feel like they've got full control over you. But there's a there's a there's a line between like low conscious masculinity, even things like anxious attachment or avoidant attachment theory. Those are all normal like trauma sort of like level of consciousness stuff. And narcissistic behavior and narcissism as a kind of a way of being is a it it does not fix itself. And you look at it at a from a historical perspective that the that that organizations countries movements run by narcissists end in 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 violence in oh, yeah. loss and, there, and, and group narcissism too like isis yes. is group narcissism yes. and, group, and yeah collective narcissism right exactly yeah, yes yeah um so when you were you're is sorry i just lost track of your question <laughs> that's okay no there wasn't a question in there i was just answering my thought my answering my own question about about can you be in a relationship with a narcissist and they can grow, you know, change. And, and my oh, answer is no. Yeah. Here's the so thing, the thing about that is that when you're in a relationship with a narcissist and you're, you're telling them what your needs are, you're asking for your basic needs, basic needs to be met. And they disregard you. They put you down. They, um, they minimize, they, like, they will, per, they will on purpose, like say something's really special to you. You're going to go win an award at work. They might just mm-hmm. like get sick that day, not be able to come. Or they might mm-hmm. say, wow, must be nice to, you know, get all this praise for like work that you didn't even do. They'll put, they'll no. minimize their accomplishments. They'll ruin special moments for you. And you're all the while telling them what you need, what you need. It's not until you threaten to take away what's important to them, which is their narcissistic supply that they all of a sudden want to change. Yeah. They heard you. They heard you the first time. They right. heard you the 300th time. If they're only changing in response to you taking away something that matters to them, they are not, this is a transaction and it's only to get what they want. It's not about right. only kind of change that sticks is change that comes from an intrinsic place of like, I want to change for me. Right. Um, yeah. So, And that's so, growth really, you know, not yeah. just changing behavior. Yeah. yeah. So be very so, weary someone saying to you, Oh, I I'll change. I'll change. Yeah. I promise I'll be different. It's like, yeah. well, why, why now? Why now? That's the big question. Right. right. So, um, nice segue into the, this final question is so some, just some steps or tips that someone can do to prevent from being hooked again. You know, narcissists are, you know, some, usually there, you know, there's a pattern of, of getting hooked and you kind of told a little bit about that story. Um, what are some steps that a person could take to keep from being hooked again? Number one, make sure that you have done a deep dive into your own story. I highly recommend, you know, working with, working with me, obviously I, mm-hmm. I do that with clients is we do a detailed personal history. Um, we determine, you know, what kind of family dynamic you were in and how that's going to influence your, um, your choosing of partners. There's an amazing article. It was the most read article in 2016 in the New York Times called Why You Will Marry the Wrong Person by Alain de Baton, who is a French philosopher. It's amazing. Um, highly recommend everybody read that. It kind of goes into detail about this thing called repetition compulsion, where we are trying to resolve a dynamic that was painful or traumatic to us in childhood 
by subconsciously seeking out partners that will replay that exact dynamic. So that is why this is, tends to be a pattern in people's lives. And until you bring that unconscious pattern to the surface, yep. you're going to be kind of doomed to repeat it. So highly recommend um, coaching um, with me, especially subconscious therapy, very important. So that's number one. Um, number two is just recognizing the signs. So we talked about the love bombing. We talked about the future faking. We talked about the fast warp speed in which these uh, relationships develop. But we, what you also have to know is that there are things that are going to happen to you in this relationship that might feel, you don't know if it's normal. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm overreacting. When you get a gut feeling what that really is, is that there is a memory, uh, probably a traumatic one stored somatically in your nervous system, right? So mm -hmm. your nervous system is telling you this is not safe. If you get a gut feeling that something's off, you have to listen to it. You, you must. Mm -hmm. And if you need to sanity check yourself, please do not go to your friends. They give terrible advice. <laughs> they project their own horrible failed relationship yeah. onto you. Go to see a therapist or a coach or someone who's got education in this area. Um, also, here's and here's something really, really big and really important is like no rationalization, no second chances. Okay. So for those of us who are empaths, we always want to see the best in people. We mm -hmm. always want to give, he had a tough childhood. He had a tough day at work. I was being loud. The kids were really being loud, you know? Mm -hmm. Giving right. all these rationalizations for this abusive behavior, if you find yourself making excuses for someone's behavior, if you find yourself ashamed to tell someone else what's going on in your relationship, if you find your nervous system, if you find yourself having just a random panic attack, for example, and you don't know why, it's because you're not consciously facing something that your subconscious knows is going wrong. So trust your gut. Do not rationalize behaviors like that. And when someone starts gaslighting you, which we haven't even talked about, but that's when somebody um, who's attempting to control you will get you to doubt your own reality. So if someone, if you're in an argument with someone, let's say, and they say, I never said that, but you know that they said that and you find yourself saying, wait, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I made that up. Red flag, like sirens, like sirens are going off. Like do not let anyone mess with your, um, your sense of reality, because that alone, if you let that go on, and I mean, like I work with people who've had this going on for years, the, the, the self-doubt that plagues these people, the inability to make a single decision that like they are destabilized by this type of gaslighting. So when it happens to you the first time, please, 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 no second chances, because what happens is you give a second chance, the bar just gets moved lower, like we were right. talking out until you were just groveling for, for breadcrumbs. Wow. Yeah. I think it's important. I'll just reiterate something too, is that there's a difference between narcissism and, and uh, attachment style. And that I would just caution or, or, or use some critical thinking here in a relationship is if someone has a, an attachment style that's the, is different than yours, it doesn't mean they're a narcissist. No. That, that it, it, it could be, but it doesn't always mean that. And so this is where I would look at, like to keep from getting hooked again, um, is um, the the first thing is, is uh, you have to own the harm. If harm is being done, dehumanization, diminishment, you have to own the fact that you're being harmed. Um, and be, because the, the, the main thing a narcissist does is tell you you're not being harmed. 
And it's like, I don't know why you feel that way. I love you. Blah, 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 blah. If you don't own the harm, he's going to keep fucking doing it. Oh yeah. And then here's another thing is that narcissists chronically believe that they are a victim. They yes. have delusions of persecution. Yes. So here's something that um, is surprising to many people is that a narcissist will often be that sort of misunderstood mm -hmm. special person. Like if only yes. the world could see my greatness and they have all these sort of like failed to launch business ideas and they have all like, you know, the only reason why that didn't work is because no one gave me money. Like I'm really, I'm really yes. like best and, yes. and you know, the world doesn't understand me. And, um, and, and, you know, people think a narcissist is this grandiose outgoing person. A covert narcissist can often be sort of like this withdrawn, sullen, smug, yeah. Um, depressed person, um, just because someone doesn't have the classical presentation of a grandiose narcissist doesn't mean the, that they're not one. Right. Yeah. I think the other thing to do too is, is if you're dating someone or you've started to see someone and maybe you're wondering, you know, maybe there's a few signs, but you don't want to immediately write it off is get them in a situation that requires teamwork. Like yep. I always say, go grocery shopping, go grocery shopping with them. That sounds strange, maybe if you're just dating, but you learn a lot about them. Go someplace where like kayaking in a single kayak, not separately. How do they interact? How do they, because a, a narcissist is completely incapable of collaboration. Um, and so it, any, any sort of like, I would say, put them in a high pressure environment that involves that's, that's public. And that also includes like how they talk to baristas and servers or um, how they talk about other people. And because it's interesting about narcissists is they, they're very open about shitting on other people. They're just not, you know, and they, but they don't do it to you because they're love bombing you, as you said. So watching how they interact, I think that's a key thing. Yeah, but like, and that's that's kind of, there's a little nuance there too, because yeah. narcissists are very charming, especially like the overt kind. They're very charming. They yeah. want people to like them. So if they're in a crowded coffee shop, they're going to be so nice to the barista. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and that's, so yeah, there is nuance there. There is nuance there, but it's really the pressure situations. If you can put them in a pressure situation, um, it is the, the cracks will be obvious pretty quickly. Here's, here's, um, here's a test is that ask them to speak about with you to some about something that they have no interest in, you know, especially oh. um, it has to do with you and your feelings. So what happens yeah. is that narcissist, if you're like, oh, you know, I'm having a, this happened in my, um, it happened in my narcissistic relationships and I'm including my right. family of origin here is if you have a, a situation where, oh, someone else is being mean to me or someone else is disrespecting me they immediately like either they disengage and they don't want to talk about it or they'll shift the, the conversation to another topic. They'll do use word salad. It's so disorienting. You're like, how did we start this conversation here? And now we're here. Okay. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Or they'll make it about them really quickly. Uh, they can't really be in a conversation that's not focused on them. Um, so just uh, watch, yeah. how they, watch how they shift. Yeah. The conversation. Yes. Count their eyes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The, the, the final one is the most obvious one of all. And it's interesting is that this particular thing, there was a study done of dating apps and that the number one thing that a woman was looking for, this in hetero, heteronormative terms, that a woman was looking for a man as far as like a trait. Uh -huh. And that is, he is in active therapy. Narcissists are not in active therapy. They, they will say, maybe they went to therapy a while ago, or they maybe they have a coach that's like a performance coach, but 
Yeah. I, I just would bluntly say this, unless it's for economic reasons. And even then to, to women do not date men that are not in active therapy for lots of reasons, but it's one of the reasons is narcissists do not go to therapy because it, because that exposes who they are. Why would they do that? That's their biggest fear is exposure. And, and the ones that do end up in therapy often end up manipulating the therapist as well. Right. Um, and so that's why it's so hard to get a diagnosis for narcissism, um, for NPD, you know, um, and a lot of times it'll present as something else. It'll present as depression or anxiety or something like that. And then if you go into couples yeah. counseling, like so many of my clients, um, and friends will say, we went to couples counseling and they, I watched them lie right to the counselor's face. Yeah. And, and then, because that, that narcissist, number one knows that they're being observed and number right. two, like they, they, all they care is how they look. They're not really there yeah. to get, they're there to look good. Yes. And a narcissist in an, if you're in an active relationship with someone that's a narcissist and you say, we should go to couples counseling, they will resist it. That's one thing. Or they will try to pick the counselor. That's the other one too, is that you'll be like, I didn't like her. I didn't like him. He was this or that, or, um, yeah, I would say this too. Speaking to, speaking to men here for just a minute, this is just more of a public service announcement. Um, <laughs> If, as Emily, as you said, narcissism is typically more prevalent in men. We have to own that shit. Don't be friends with narcissists. If you have narcissistic tendencies, because we all do, every human has narcissistic tendencies. But if those tendencies are your personality, you need to get that shit fixed. And if you are, if you know someone that's a narcissist and you're a man talking to another man and they're narcissist, you, you have to have the courage to call that shit out. Because they are, in my opinion, outside of, you know, like, like uh, violent criminals, they are the most dangerous people on the planet because of how much, how, what they can fuck up and how many people they can harm in a, and, and, and it's, it can become generational. And all we need to do as men is recognize it in ourselves and get that shit taken care of. And when we see it in someone else, another man, don't fucking vote for him. Don't give him a Grammy. If don't be friends with him, call that shit out every single time, because once it's exposed to the light, you've got to drag shit into the light. They will either adjust or leave. And that's just my like, mm. you know, unplanned <laughs> download to other men. So like, I totally agree with you that like, we need to call out bad behaviors because, you know, but by standing by and doing nothing, you're, you're part of the problem. But the other thing with narcissists though, is that if you come after them, they will come after you 10 times right. harder with everything they've got and they want to destroy right. you. So right. um, coming after them, I don't know if that's necessarily like, I, I would, I don't know that. that yeah. makes I, I'm just saying as a, as a man to another man, like they rely on being bullied. This is like standing up to bullies in school. It's the same thing. Oh. You just got to, they, they only, you got to stand up to them there. And here's the other thing, reason for that. There's no enforcement. It's not illegal to be a narcissist. It's illegal to be abusive, physically abusive. Who are you going to call? Who's going to take care of it? And it's that old saying that all the evil needs in order to sustain itself is for people to say nothing. That's paraphrasing. And, and so, and yeah, they may, they may come after you, but maybe that's your, maybe that's your challenge. Maybe that's your dragon. You need to slay as a man is that, you know, maybe, maybe you've been passive and you're just like, fuck this. I do not want this person 
you know, to, and so I hear what you're saying, but I would say do it anyway. That's just my, my take you, on it. I'll tell you the story. So when I was a kid, I would have these reoccurring nightmares that um, a cartoon character came into my house and charmed my whole family into believing that he was, it was Bugs Bunny, that he was the best thing ever. And my family all fell under the spell. I knew that he was wrong. I ended up getting kicked out of my family. That was ended up being like a psychic prediction through my dreams. And what happened was when I was a teenager, um, my father, who was extremely um, unwell and very abusive, um, almost killed me and um, in a narcissistic rage. And everybody in my family took his side. Ugh. It was more convenient for them to do because number one, like, why would we believe a uh, teenager over an adult? And then, you know, like, it's just, it's just, it messes with the status quo. And so I did stand up to him and I lost everything as a right. result. It wasn't until I was in my thirties that everyone in my family yeah. kind of came around and said, you know, you were right. That was wrong. And, you know, yeah. All I guess all I'm trying to say is I think that rather than fighting it and becoming an adversary, I would stop put I would I would vote with your dollar and vote with your time. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to work for organizations that have that value yeah. narcissistic yeah. Um, values and you yeah. don't have to be married to someone like that. You don't and if one of your siblings is that, you can you can create a boundary. I would protect yourself with space right. and boundaries rather than like fighting it head on right. because what a narcissist will do every single time is provoke you into an intense emotional reaction, drag you down to their level, and then beat you there with experience. Mm -hmm. They don't have any empathy. Yeah. So they're willing yeah. to pull the dirty punches that you just would never do. So it's not a right. fight I recommend people get into. Okay. Well, we have two different, two different <laughs> views on that and that's okay. Um, that's okay yeah. Well, I, I would, you know, I'd say that it's a fascinating conversation. Uh, chilling, as I said, so necessary. Um, I'm going to link to your website and social feeds in the show notes. Um, are you actively taking clients right now? I if am. Someone wants to work with you? Okay, yes, cool. Yes. I love sometimes. Okay, cool. And so, you know, I, I think that's an important thing is like, get some coaching. And so thank you so much for your time, your, how your, your, your vulnerability and how eloquent you are or explaining this i think it was very enlightening you are one of the most eloquent people that i know so to take that compliment from you is amazing thank you you're welcome thank you for having me here this was this was great it was fun <laughs>